Just as the trail leveled off coming out of the bush and into Tussock, the rain really started lashing down. I almost hadn't put on my jacket as I was sweating most of the way up and knowing I was getting close to the hut. And there it is! Perfect timing. Upper Traverse squatting in a clump of beech trees at the base of the massive climb I'll do tomorrow. My friend Charlie, his lime green pack cover bouncing along, disappears in the high, soft, and tawny grass. We hurry inside only to be told that water has to be collected at the stream, so we stay bundled up and fill up before heading into a huge, beautiful, and brand new hut. We're greeted by Kachka, Kuba, and a Kiwi named Russell. He's a grandfather of seven and a hiking novice walking the entire Te Araroa and writing about all he's learned to share with his young ones. Things like, to get where I need to go, starts with one step. What do you want to know? New Zealand, you were telling me that it has um, four seasons in one day. We don't always have four seasons in one day. Depends on what part of the country you live in. (laughs) The day we will have four seasons in one day is tomorrow. The wind smacks the hut, and it shivers, as I do, asking if maybe someone wants to make a fire. A German volunteer hut warden named Toby shows up and adds more color to the group. He checks our hut passes, then reads the weather. Tomorrow, Sunday, rain clearing in the morning, but returning in evening. Southwesterly gale, turning into severe gale in exposed places in the morning and easing later. Russell scoffs at that. It's meaningless. What is meant by morning, for instance, or nice spells? He tells us the weather service has been exaggerating ever since they got in trouble when some young people were caught out in a storm. Isn't that nice that we use the word nice? Because nice is a nice thing. Well, it sounds very namby-pamby to me. It sounds very... What would you prefer them to say? Um, Clearing or something a little more specific. (laughs) What does clearing mean? Clearing means that the clouds are going away. Nice so, just so sounds... that means becoming nice. But for some people, this is nice. <laughs> These are just squally showers, he tells us. What I'll do is look outside and then go out in it. Kachka, like me, is a little bit more nervous. But we see the wisdom in Russell's relaxed manner. Put on the rain gear, have warm layers at the ready, and when you go for the saddle tomorrow, just... Take your time. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like that small backpacking essential of the same name, the P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Right now, my blazing trail is the Te Araroa, New Zealand's 3,000-kilometer-long pathway. I'm about two-thirds the way done on the South Island. You can hear more stories, including from Isle Royale in the U.S., from the website, thepeerag.com. And thanks to Lucky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lucky should be in your hands. Also, Belega, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. 
Sleep did not come easily at the hotel in St. Arno. After seeing the frightening weather report, I went right on Facebook to ask for advice on whether to wait it out or to move on. It was kind of a big mistake. Everything was at fever pitch. One helpful hiker even sending me a copy of the weather report, as if to underscore the same weather report that I was asking about. My friend Tom is still in Golden Bay, recovering from Jardia, and he offered to start again with me in a few days. But something just doesn't sit right with this decision to wait it out. Now it's way past my usual wake time of dawn. It's 8 o'clock. But that's when the dock office opens, the Department of Conservation. Perhaps they can tell me what to do. I dial, and a woman answers, totally relaxed. The weather is so changeable in New Zealand, she tells me. If it were me, I'd just keep walking. And I suddenly realize why things didn't sit well. What's going on in the mountains isn't a storm with a beginning and an end. It's more just the kind of activity that happens in mountains, especially ones smack dab in the center of a long, thin island. If I try to wait it out, it could be weeks. It's just not that severe. So I write Richard and I write Tom to tell them that I've changed my plans. I change into my tramping outfit and I head on out. It's late in the day to start, but the trail's easy in Nelson Lakes National Park, about a sixth the way down the South Island. It runs on a wide path of crunchy leaves and exposed roots along beautiful Lake Rotuiti, a long mitten of water nestled in huge mountains. I'm committed now and moving fast along superb track, but still nagged whether moving into the teeth of a gale is the best idea. I tell myself to live with my choice and lean in, for lack of a better phrase. Just go with it and enjoy what comes. As I walk, I think of poet Mary Oliver, who I learn has just died. I remember being so deeply inspired reading her question of what I will do with my one wild and precious life. I know that sitting out adventure is not on my list. Living fully, and maybe a bit wild, is. Besides, what mountains don't have a bit of drama? The Lakehead Track is a superb highway with roots and rocks and huge spillways of detritus from the peaks now and again. It's popular with families hoping to stay in a hut but not have to work too hard. Several of them pass me as I whiz by, managing very small children. And once I reach that first hut, I use the long drop housed in a metal building like an extra-large Pez dispenser. When I come out, there's one person remaining at the hut. It's Charlie! I'd only just asked the trail goddess for a little tiny sign that all was well with my hiking up here today. And Charlie's presence takes all my tension away. We talk a bit, then we walk at our own pace in silence. It's not as though he's looking out for me but knowing he's giving it a go takes away the edge. The trail takes a new name, Upper Traverse Valley, as we wind in and out of beech forest, golden grasses, and more boulder fields. There are a few stream crossings, but I stay dry as the sun peeks out and the clouds part, revealing blue sky and Mount Traverse and its saddle up ahead. 
Across a one-person-only swing bridge, three backpacking Kiwis lounge with lunch, all smiles and relaxed. I'm definitely not alone in this valley, as three teenagers lope past me, and I overtake a lone tramper. The second hut, John Tate Hut, is huge and filled with all sorts of people, some old, some young, no one at all concerned with the weather. Did you guys come from the hut on the other side? I sign the intentions book, and in the box for conditions, I write, partly sunny. (laughs) Certainly it's my wish, as Charlie and I grab more water, eat food, and then push on towards the saddle. Along here, I notice signs for avalanche paths. Only active May through November, these are areas where hikers mustn't stop and are told to carry a beacon. I see some evidence of a slip, boulders and tree trunks and a massive path all the way down the mountain. But all is calm right now. The bush lit up like a magic lantern. Met Service, New Zealand's weather channel, got one thing right. Rain did start at exactly four o'clock. But it's a light drizzle, and I don't bother putting on my raincoat. The trail is a bit steeper climbing up waterfalls and rapids, but nothing as dramatic as the Richmond Range. So we move fast, and I know a dock estimate of three and a half hours is only going to take us two. Charlie stops to put on his raincoat as things get a bit wetter, and I tell him I know we're close. And just as we top the rise, we see the hut. Charlie and I decide to share a bunk room, and his alarm wakes me up at 5 a.m. He's got plans to cross both passes today, the Traverse Saddle and Wyo Pass. And I'm pretty sure he'll do it. I hope to make it just over one, the Traverse Saddle. Are the mountains going to let me? I take a look outside the window, and I can't believe it. Clear skies turning pink from the sunrise. That must be the nice spells they talk about. The long grass is golden, the peaks just getting hit by light. I roll out of my bunk immediately, throw on clothes, grab a few bars, and I go. Clear, cold, and wildly windy. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of a Blissful Hiker. I share my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, middle-aged female hiker, and I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. You can subscribe to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on Apple, please leave a review because that helps other people find the podcast. It's rocky and moderately steep at first as I work my way up towards Traverse Saddle. It's obvious now why people use huts rather than tents. The ground is uneven, it's wet, and the wind is just howling. I enter a giant bowl where I can see down the narrow valley I walked yesterday straight to the hut. I have a huge smile on my face. So happy I'm on the move. Charlie is long gone, and Russell is ahead, his bright orange pack cover bobbing in and out of low shrubs. The trail is marked by orange poles and is sometimes a scramble and sometimes a rock hop across huge fanning avalanche paths that are named for people. People that were killed? People that gave money for the sign? (laughs) I have no idea. 
The wind gusts, flattening the grass and literally taking my breath away. A waterfall splashes in a meadow filled with flowers, including one spiny plant that scratches me through my trousers. Mount Traverse is a perfect triangle looming above, and I finally reach the saddle. And for a moment, the wind stops entirely, the sun burns down, and I consider taking off my coat. But within moments, I pass whatever acted as a wind block, and wild gusts just slam into me, powerful and freezing cold. I take pictures, selfies, video, video selfies, and then I move on. This is no place to stop for breakfast. The hut warden, Toby, told us last night that people complain about the steepness of the next section. It's beautiful, it's open, and it's littered with bright yellow and erect spear grass. I go very slowly and measure each step, my knees pretty strong. But they don't stop a wipeout. (laughs) An interesting wipeout. I slip on something wet, dirt or root, and I go down backwards, then kind of forwards, rolling over and over into the sharp points of the spears. When I finally stop, I notice I skin my knee and bruise my ego, but I'm basically all right. Except one trekking pole. It's not broken, but it's bent. It's actually sort of curved. Boy, I'm glad I have aluminum because it seems it still has its strength, if a bit off balance. I still have to use that curved pole as I carefully go forward, spectacular mountains seeming to rise as I move down very steep terrain and back into mossy forest. The Sabine River is loud for a long time before I get to it, rushing and boiling in transparent blue. Rivulets come onto the trail, muddy but with several logs placed to keep my feet dry. Small streams race furiously to join the river, and I leap rocks over them. A tiny bridge crosses a deep chasm, the water disappearing below, its sound hollowed out. The trail then turns sharply away towards its west fork and brings me to a hut, hot and abandoned except for drying clothes. Heaps of sandflies greet me, so I head up river towards Blue Lake and take lunch on a cool, moss-covered stump instead. I walk over three outstanding avalanche zones, giant boulders coming all the way across the river and the trail. Waterfalls crash down from the mountains as the trail gets steeper. Just then, I meet Bruce, the hut warden, a plump fellow and older than Toby. His gray hair shoots out in clumps from his cap, and his pants are cut just below his knees, exposing short putties or gaiters tied to his boots and loads of cuts on his exposed ankles. He's friendly and tells me to expect heavy rain and winds of 110 kilometers per hour tomorrow. Yep, that would be a severe gale or worse. He then says, it's not safe to cross Wyo Pass tomorrow. Well, I make quick calculations and I decide I have plenty of food to wait it out and the next day should improve. He then adds that I should be happy because the five people at the hut ahead are older, just like me. When I look at him quizzically, he says, No offense. (laughs) Okay, none taken. 
but I'm not sure why he has to point out my age. I am walking the Te Araroa all alone. So I blow it off and I head straight uphill to the hut. Russell is there and four older TA hikers. They decide that they're going to give the pass a pass altogether. But it's sunny and warm here and the wind is blocked by the trees in the hut. So we sit on the stairs sharing tea and stories. And then in comes Alessio, Charlie's friend from Italy, and the tall Czech named Tomáš. Jovial and friendly, they tell me that they also met Bruce, the hut warden, who assured them that they'd be just fine going over the pass. What? (laughs) In a few moments, Kuba and Kachka arrive too, and they say the exact same thing. Okay, I get it. So I guess for us old folks, we can't handle the pass, even if we just crossed one in big wind. So I need to clear my head, and I walk over to Blue Hut's namesake. Rotimare Finua is the lake of peaceful lands, aqua and fluorescent green. It's the clearest known freshwater in the world, because the lake above feeds it through hidden caves that filter out the detritus. It's an astounding jewel nestled in these mountains. The wind picks up and builds whitecaps in seconds on the blue water, so I look for a sunny place to hunker down and enjoy the spectacular view. When I return to the hut, the table is full, everyone sharing stories of crossing the pass in the wind and commenting on the sameness of their meals, mostly ramen. Ramen with beef, ramen with chicken, and ramen with sauce. (laughs) I know, but we miss bits. (laughs) But the conversation does veer to tomorrow and everyone's eagerness to press on, whether up or down. Russell is determined to go over the pass, and so am I. So he suggests that we all just stay together. And then he names a lone Australian hiker named Will as leader. I'd like to, but it depends on the wind, eh? We've got the sacrificial wind. The only problem is Will had no plan to go over the pass, and his car is parked below on a different trailhead. But the four hikers wanting to head down have no transportation to the rest of the trail. This is when Will comes up with an ingenious plan. He decides to hike with us over the pass, hands his car keys to the four going down, and asks them to meet him on the other side in three days. He is a little bit low on food, so we all pitch in from our overstuffed packs, and the plan is set. Sally Koch said, Great opportunities to help others seldom come, but small ones surround us every day. I think about Charlie appearing at the first hut. When I set out late and nervous yesterday to climb these mountains and the weather looked poor, there he was to kind of guide me along. He made me feel safer just being there. And then here, our gang of friends, Kachka, Kuba, Alessio, Tomas, Russell, and Will, all plan to give the pass a try, but do it as a gang. No one is carrying anyone else but each of us feels just that much stronger and braver because of our numbers. By eight o'clock, we're all stuffed into our sleeping bags on loud plastic mattresses. The wind shakes the hut as low voices murmur about how they feel, what to eat, how to strategize. Well, I have no one to talk to, so I just breathe deeply 
feeling resolved that not only do I need to get myself over, but I have a responsibility to everyone else. And maybe especially to Will, who really needs to meet his car. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles and Bolega Socks for supporting the PRAG podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review the PRAG at Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about my long walk on the Te Araroa, as well as the PCT and other trails all around the world at theprag.com. The music is me, and it's available on iTunes. Next week, the wind is big and the mist swirls. But the huge climb up Wyo Pass is extraordinary with otherworldly views. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. Happy trails.